Hey, you're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. We bring the show to you free almost every week. I think maybe we take one or two weeks off a year. And it never costs anyone a dime. Well, it costs us a dime. It never costs you a dime. Uh, but a way that you can help us out a lot is, as always, you can visit our sponsors that we talk about in the show. You can also support us by going on over to patreon.com forward slash geek in the city. We have all kinds of levels there to help us out. And you get extra rewards depending on the level that you get there. But another really great way that you can help us out is to just share the show. Uh, we get comments all the time from folks, um, email messages back when you could see somebody physically in the real world saying that, hey, I love the show. Or like recently, it's like, hey, I really like the recaps you guys have been doing for Discovery and The Mandalorian. Um, and it's great. We love to hear that. It makes us feel really good. But what make us feel even better is to see like retweets of at GITC radio on Twitter or sharing us on Facebook or sharing us on Instagram, uh, telling us makes us feel all warm and fuzzy, but it doesn't help the show. <laughs> uh, the only way to help the show is to help us get the word out. So if you could help us share the show on Instagram, where it's geek in the city radio on Facebook, even though Facebook sucks, it's just also geek in the city radio or on Twitter at GITC radio. So, yeah, help us get the word out so we can keep the show going and getting the word out there and keep having more and more years of good, geeky, and socially conscious fun. Yeah, sounds good. Let's start the show now. It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geek? So many issues today into which we must delve. We're gonna talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the Welcome to issue 576 of Geekness City Radio. I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Fianarita. And I'm Cable Hajitani. And we have with us our guest, Rev Nat. Sipping an ale. Cheerio, friends. Cheerio. And he's officially gone bye-bye. He's lost yeah. it. Just first beer of the day, so, you know. Woohoo! How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Yeah. I always love the long positive thing. I'm like, am I going to answer honestly, or am I going to give a show answer? Well, no, it's not that I whether or not I want to answer honestly. It's about... Actually, taking like a mental assessment and going like, okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. How do you feel? Mm. Well, just go for it. Yeah. Pause. And considering I, I have, I have job prospects. Uh, pretty good. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Been a while, huh? Since March. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the advantageous part of me can just be like, well. 
you got to ride out that whole time on unemployment plus the extension. Maximum, maximum value. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I guess. If, yeah, if I really wanted to, I could look at it that way. Yeah. They're allegedly going to extend it again now. Allegedly. Mm. Assuming I had not heard that. It, like as of today. <laughs> that's assuming that it, uh, the, that the president signs off on it, I guess. Mm. Oh, that was the con- congressional, that the current yeah. bill you talked about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like either way, like my, unless they were going to, give people like you know like individually more funds i'm literally like on the last dregs of my uh, allotted funds well, this would be the federal one so i think yeah i'm not i'm not quite sure how it worked i have until december 26 before pua runs out yeah that's that's mine that's that's yeah. what i'm on yeah no that one that's the one that's supposed to get extended and, and you know so who knows fingers crossed yeah, we'll see. For everyone who still needs it. <laughs> oh, that sounds so smug. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, Miss Money, but I have a job now. I mean, for the record, it's part time, so I'll actually be making less than I was making on unemployment. <laughs> I'm probably working twice as hard. So. Oh, absolutely, because I haven't been doing shit <laughs> in my house. <laughs> that means I- you can extend your unemployment. Um, I haven't looked into it yet. I know that it is possible that I could like continue to file claims and at least get partial benef- partial benefits. Yes. Yeah. Because then like that I... will stretch that out further too. Mm. Right. But like but... I said, I'm on the extension and I'm almost at the 13 weeks and I'm almost at the end of the funds that were available anyway. So what I'm, I'll look into it, but I'm not, it's, it's not going to be a huge difference at that point, because it would only be partial benefits for a short amount of time. Well, okay. Nope. Hooray. There's that. Woo! Change is, is just good, that? though. Hmm? Change is good. Sometimes it's better than other changes, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, so here's the thing. is It's an executive assistant position, and that's something I've wanted to be doing for a long, uh-huh. long time. So regardless of any long-term outcomes, the one thing that I know for sure is... I will have that on paper. Finally, I'll have that experience, and I'll have it in writing. And uh, you, you know, can't take that away from me now. Sounds like you're not feeling great about the company, though. Maybe because you would have <laughs> mentioned that earlier. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just outlining it. Like, like if you really wanted to look at it in the worst case scenario, it, there's, there's, it's still, it's still a positive outlook. So yeah, check that box. Yep. Yeah. Mm. All right. I just have that fun thing where I'm just taking a ton of meetings and hoping one of them pays off. Mm. Networking. <laughs> yeah. It's mm-hmm. the joy of the freelance yeah. life. Yeah. You know, we're hungry. So, so much more content. I've got content. No, not that. Well, we don't, I mean, do you have any different, you were right. thinking something that was. Have, yeah. But have, have you worked anything high pressure or like, you know, that's got a, you know, that gets a lot of audience. I'm like, well, co-wrote i wrote comics for a video game that made 12 billion dollars and had a global release and was published in 18 languages but yeah i guess you're wondering if i did something bigger (laughs) did you look at the stuff that i sent over already (laughs) yeah i only worked for something that made more than every hollywood movie last year but sure no it's fine i haven't i think i mentioned that already yeah that's always fun Mm. Mm -hmm. 
My favorite is always, do you have something that's not Mexican? Because that's Ooh. hard to market. Yeah. Ooh. That's... Bullshit? Hmm. That's a them problem and not a you no, problem. I, yes, I know. Hard to market. Right. Yeah, you're not a marketer, are you? So. No, no, I've never done marketing, never once. Mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway, apart from kvetching, what else are we doing today? Besides kvetching? Oh, boy. <laughs> that's that's the only thing I put down in my agenda today, guys. Mm. Yeah, that, that's the only thing I was really looking forward to. <laughs> like, it's like, well, you know, at least after a long day of work, I can go home and kvetch on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a beer in like a number of days, so this was like kind of like. Are you, are you okay? Is everything uh, okay? Totally fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. I, admittedly, I drank too much last time I drank, so it, it's, you know. You got to hang yourself up to dry every now and then. Just a little take right. the, yeah. taking the steps, yeah. So that's why I'm sticking to the sparkling water tonight. Uh, um I think I'm still feeling like the Thanksgiving week where it was like it wasn't daily, but every other day. It was like that cycle of like, way too much. The next day I'm dead. Way too much. The next day uh, I'm dead. You know, a lot of like, but don't do it. You know, that weird thing of like, well, I don't drink during recovery days. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because you're having too many recovery days. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm more like on a weekly pace. Right. Just once a week kind of thing? Um, no, like, no, I mean, like, if I have too much, I'll wait a week. Then, oh uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably smart. Just to you know, just continue to refer, reaffirm the fact that I'm not an alcoholic. So <laughs> take a sip. <laughs> I was trying to think the last time ah. I went a whole seven days in between. Now you should get a job in alcohol. It's like you you learn a lot about your own drinking habits when you're. But do you do you find yourself that you drink more or less when you're like? knee deep in the process and the business side of it or is that was like or is that like no i need a drink because fun of a you know there's definitely those moments i think there might be more of those moments of gotta gotta get a drink right now um than there were in the past but also i think uh everybody's different everybody the way they deal with it is super different and i um i about two years ago probably ish I just decided to stop drinking at home and, and by and large <laughs> I'm at home. Um, I stuck with it really, really well. And that was really liberating for me because the flip side of that coin was kind of like no holds barred when I'm not in the house. Um, and, and, you know, for the job, I found myself sort of having to, or being put in situations where it was important to drink at events or, you know, with people and, um, I, I, but I also wanted to cut down on my drinking a bunch. So I just kind of went cold turkey at home and it worked really, really well. And I really enjoyed it. And um, I still by and large, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't drink too much, but coronavirus has kind of thrown that out of whack because yeah. I have had uh, one, two, I've had two, two drinking experience out of the house in a, in a place of a drinking business I've drank at the park a few times, but um, in a drinking business, only twice since the start of the thing. Yeah, I think I sat outside at the Horse Brass once, mm. and then outside once at Roscoe's. Mm. Uh, yeah, yep. but that's been about it. Yeah, it's all been inside. 
So since we're kvetching, what about these people with the tents outside of their place of business and they have a whole tent and they have walls in the tent, four walls, and they yeah, have that's a house there. And it's like that's a building. What are you doing? They're I, they're missing the point. And I think the regulations are missing the point too. Mm-hmm. It's not about yeah. being in or outdoors, it's about airflow. It's about airflow. Yeah, totally. The, there are there seems to be a faction of well not a faction. A percentage of the of people will always follow the letter of the law even if they don't understand what the outcome is supposed to be. It's like, no, right. I did all the things that you were supposed to. It's like, yeah, but did you understand why you were doing them? No. Great. And there's someone like me who never follows the law, just but always is a good human. So, Right. Yeah. It, but you look at it, it's like, okay, so the end result is we can't have anything where there's like stagnant airflow. Like it has yeah. to be open. Cool. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We can do that. <laughs> Well, I, it doesn't help when the people who are writing the letter of the law are not writing it in a way that is clearly outlining why we're doing these things. Um, like the like the thing with the curfews. Mm-hmm. Like the the theory is they don't want people hanging out for prolonged amounts of time, and the way that they think they can do that is if they have if they make bars stop serving alcohol by a certain time, and then everyone's just going to give up and go home. But doesn't just happen. like, but just setting a curfew doesn't establish that people who want to drink all day in public will just show up earlier. And yeah. it's like how like England used to close their pubs at like ten, mm-hmm. which is why people were hammered by like nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. or they become private clubs the minute it becomes ten. Like oh, oh we're, we're private th- now. Yeah. We said that already. Like um, the bars are closing at. At during the summer, the bars would close at ten, and then the, the local they lock the locals in, and the door would be closed, and that would be it. And this is no longer an, op- an open business; it's a private party. And I follow some some people in the local, like in the Portland food industry, who were mad about the that that more recent wave of lockdowns, uh, and they were no longer going to permit indoor seating for that two or three week window that they had. Uh, you know, and they were complaining and saying that there's no evidence that indoor dining leads to higher risk of exposure. I'm like, yes, yes, it does. It doesn't really matter what kind. It doesn't really matter what kind of building it is or what what the business is um, that happens inside of that building. If you go in a small space together and take your masks uh, off, you're probably going to give it to each other. Yeah, yeah, which is hard pressed to explain to people when it's like, oh, we can't go out and dine together. Cool. But you can all still go into a store and shop together. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing fundamentally different between, you know, poor folks who are like standing behind the shop counter and interacting with customers. Yeah. yeah, Versus, you know, you know, maybe you have a really, maybe you have a bar that has, Really high ceilings, big space, great airflow, and you keep the door open. It, that could be a lot safer than, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, you know, I'm I'm not setting the policy. It's it's you're screwed, screwed any way you look at it. Yeah. So any policy that isn't, you know, freezing rents on homes and business right. rental yeah. spaces yeah. alike, and Shut it down, and you yeah. know, yeah, UBI, anything that isn't that is going to be a an, a flawed policy because it doesn't help enough. It doesn't help the right way. Yeah, or it helps these people, but not, but not these people, and they, they're mm-hmm. really close to each other, but we're going to draw a line somewhere. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think people who are $5 
too high to qualify for food stamps. Yeah. Totally. So they don't get any. Yeah. So they get mm-hmm. nothing because of a $5, you know, over the threshold that's been established, but probably somewhat arbitrary and outdated threshold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's almost like we're all drinking a bunch right now because we're solving the world's problems right now. That's right. I know. (laughs) We could have fixed everything by now. Uh, We've had another bottle of champagne now. Ooh, I don't know how you drink a whole bottle of champagne. That those are that's the whole thing. Eventually, just well, no, because then it was nighttime, and you know you can't really like. I guess I could have like scrounged up a different cork to to seal it back up or something, but I didn't. I just. I left the last bit in there to, to go flat, whatever. Does it just taste like wine after it stops bubbly? I don't know. Probably. Probably. And then, yeah, then it just tastes like white wine and bleh. Then it just tastes like Chardonnay and <laughs> Now, uh, champagne is like instant headache for me. It like so fast, I'll get a headache from it. It's weird. Mm. <laughs> I don't drink it very much. I drink it I drink all alcohol like I drink beer by the gulp, by the pint. So it's difficult for me to do things like champagne because I would just clunk, oh, this is so good. It's like sparkling. Clunk, 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 clunk. And then <laughs> game well, over. Usually... What's, what's the ABV on it? Oh, crap. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not. It's generous is what it is. Yeah. It's a generous yeah. ABV. Mm-hmm. It's something like I don't really only do champagne for probably New Year's. But uh, I don't know. I've just been in a mood lately, and I had good news yes on Monday, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna buy a bottle of champagne." It's good. You should have savored it. You need a sword. One thing, my one uh, alcohol my wife and I get with some regularity is is it's very similar to champagne. It's bubbly rosé, and there's a big difference. The wine people will just chop your heads off if you say that it's like you know pink champagne or whatever. There, it is quite a bit different. So the bubbles are way down on it, so it's easier to drink. Um, it's cheaper, uh, and we really like it. It has it definitely um, physiologically. It reminds me of cider, so I can drink it with mm. a little bit more understanding than I can a lot of wines. And um, no, maybe it's like a, it's a sub twenty dollar bottle for sure. Maybe it's in the fifteen dollar range. Sometimes they're not very easy to find, um, but bubbly rosés are like one of our favorite things to go to. Uh, the my grocery store has a, a pretty good selection of canned wine. Uh-huh. And so they'll, they'll be red, they'll be white, and almost always a bubbly rosé. But those cans are probably comparable to the $8 bottle of, you know, Brut that I bought. I'm uh, trying to think. More expensive, because a, a, bo- a bo- 750 ml bottle, normal wine bottle is 25.4 ounces, so it's roughly two 12-ounce cans. And oftentimes those cans are actually a little small. A wine can in the United States can't be 12 ounces, uh, hmm. because the rule uh, has to be 11 point something ounces. Had not uh, noticed that. It looks like a 12 ounce, but when you if you look at this fine print, it's less than 12 ounces. So I've been getting ripped off with my theoretic, theoretically cheap cans of wine. Pennies at a time, pennies at a time, yeah. That's how they get you. You need to just get like a single, like single kegerator that holds just like one little pony keg. And then you can go buy like five gallons worth of your favorite box wine and then just carbonate that. Yeah. And then you have it on tap. Yeah. And it'll stay fresh the whole time because CO2 is like a antioxidant preservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh tasting. There you go. I never thought of that. I'm like wasting mm-hmm. the wine and the water by combining them. I could have just been carbonating the wine. 
Yeah, and you know, you can put it somewhere where it's not as easy to get to. Like maybe put the kegerator in your in your garage. My that detached have garage. To, that way, you, yeah, that way you have to like really want it. You can't just get up from your couch and go to the kitchen and go like, oh, you have to go, oh, I got to go outside. I gotta I'll just start using home. a bigger mug. Exactly. <laughs> Bring a pitcher back. Here is Look, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. To <laughs> You're not going to slow me down, Duran. She's yeah, pretty smart, <laughs> man. I mean, I'm all fine. <laughs> Figure it out. Although I do find, because I've got one now, I've got a, a two-tap one, and I find that I actually drink less from it than I thought. I, and there was a whole joke of like, oh, man, you're always going to have 10 gallons of something right in your kitchen. You're going to be dead. And I was like, I don't really use it all that much anymore. Mm. <laughs> Not as much you, as I thought I would. You can control the portions. That's a big part of it with me. I have learned that I will drink an 8-ounce glass as fast as I will drink a 20-ounce glass. It's because just the motion is what I've like. It's the repetitive motion that I like doing. Um, so that's like whenever we can go back to pubs or whatever, I almost always get it. Instead of a pint, I'll ask for the glass, knowing I'll drink it just as fast as the pint. Yeah. That's actually a, a alcohol pro tip whenever I go to bars. I'm always asking for things in a half pint or, you know, 10 ounce. And they'll pull out some fancy glassware. And I'm like, I don't care. Just p- put it into small thing. And every now and then you go to a bar and they only have pint glasses. And I'm like, well, can you fill it halfway for me? Yeah, yeah Whatever it's going to take. Um, but there, there are some places in the country that will not do that. Or, or they'll be like, yeah, I have to charge you full price. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Fine, just, I just give me like literally less alcohol. That's what I need at this point. Fine. I'll pay for it. You, you're welcome for yeah. the bottom line bump there. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But the computer, I, the computer won't let me put in a half, a half a pint. It's just, I, I, I can't, I, I can't. Exactly. I do not have a button for it. Yeah. Fine. Just push any button you want. But yeah, that's, that's my, that's my little, my little trick that I do for myself, you know? So since I'm clearly not going to not get a bunch of glasses of it, if I get smaller ones, that makes sense, I guess. Mm. I've had three, I've had three beers already. Slow down. <laughs> right. What? Three so, uh, but like speaking of like you know brewing and stuff, mm. Nat, what's uh what's been going on? Oh well, I mean other than you know almost every night you were getting tear gassed. I mean mainly on the brewing front. Yeah, a lot of tear gas. Um, I have uh we have a new production facility and it's we've been talking about this. I probably mentioned this on the Geek in the City like three years ago. And it's um, we're we're really close. And um, for instance, our we're done making cider at the old place, the old place that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, the canning line has been removed. Um, all of our other packaging equipment's out. None of our tanks have moved yet. Um, uh, but like the place looks like the old place now looks like like moving day at your house. You know, there's like that thing's still there and that thing's still there, but there's a huge gap of wall that you've never seen before and there's like dust bunnies everywhere and you know the broken extension cord is that's what it looks like right now it'll look like that for another couple of weeks it's such a big project getting everything moved over um to the new building the new building is down um near widmer uh so still part really close really close in um it's about a five minute drive with or without traffic from our current space and the, the real sort of um tragedy is that it's not, we're not setting it up for any retail customer facing, uh, kind of experience. It doesn't, um, the building is very industrial, very gritty. Um, 
no, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it was also the layout just did not lend itself for having any kind of uh, a customer experience in any sort of professional way. That's not to say that we won't have some folks in to have some parties. And I'm sure that if coronavirus wasn't here right now, we would be, I would be, there would be the biggest New Year's Eve party at our place that the world has ever seen. At the old um, one or the new one? Just the, the new one. The, the new, new one, one, yeah. So the new one is 20,000 square feet. It's just wi- a wide open giant warehouse with very Ooh. tall ceilings. Um, and it's pretty bare bones. Uh, it's an old building, so it's got some really cool timber in it. Um, but we're not setting, like I said, we're not setting it up for sort of retail stuff anymore. Although I did have a, one of my longstanding tent show members um, stop by just the other day, dude named Andy. Um, I owed him a bottle from last uh, last year. And uh, I was like, well, we'll just come on by. So, cause I, cause I had just uncovered all the, my old tent show stock. And so we talked and I, he, I owed him one bottle and I think he left with five, but we had such that a, we spent, we spent like maybe a half hour, 45 minutes talking. And it, I just like, I realized that, Oh, this is, you know, the, the, the tap room that we had was such a unique space that, um, that really meant a lot to the the brand and to me and to the customers and to, you know, the, the general community. You got me remember having a party there and um, the new space is not going to appeal to uh casual. Oh, let's go out for a drink. It'll never appeal to those kind of people, but folks who are already sort of bought into the brand will, will can certainly come in and really enjoy it. So I'm, I'm, Got some bunch of things in my head trying to figure out how to bring in uh, a tent show like experience in uh, the new building for the established folks, for the people who who I can have a conversation with and tell them uh, this is what we're doing here and this is what the plan is for the future, and um, you know they can see through the grittiness a bit and and deal with the probably actually kind of like it a little bit. Exactly. They'd be able to really love it. I wouldn't want to put that as my first foot forward for um, a, a, a new customers, let's say, but for the established customers, I think it's a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm really excited um, to be able to, uh, you know, get the vaccine for everybody and then have, have some folks over. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm also kind of content that we talk about like airflow. It's a huge, huge building. It has five, six, five or six, uh, overhead doors that pull up. So there's like a lot of opportunity for what I would consider relatively safe kind of, you're almost like you're outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I might try to do, um, you know, small group uh, tent show tours. Like um, a lot of tent show members come with their significant other. I've, I've met a lot of, you know, sort of quote unquote families who are tent show members. So I think it'd be great to bring in, um, you know, maybe to do like one weekend and everybody sign up for a, a 20 minute slot and, um, I'll take you on a quick tour and you just talk a little bit and then hasta la vista just as a way to kind of keep connection to those, um, That'd be cool. those folks in that space. Um, I know it just hit me like this is the first time in like five years that I won't, that there won't be like a Christmas end of year tent show event. Yeah. We, we, we kind of you, bums me out a little bit. <laughs> I know we've done two. Um, we do two events every year at the end of the year. We do a sort of mid December, usually happening right about now an industry party. Uh, where I give a invitation to, uh, it's an open invitation to the entire restaurant industry in, um, and grocery, anybody involved tangentially in food or beverage in Portland. And there's usually a few hundred people that show up and it's 
it's open invite, but industry only, and there's no charge, which is always um, fun. And that's not happening, obviously. But this is the kind of thing I would love to be able to do right now. Yeah, and then our tent show party, which always kind of is in between um, Christmas and New Year's and is a good way to kind of recap the, the season and see all the people and I mean, do silly games. And <laughs> The industry one was always fun because a lot of the other – you know, brewers or restaurateurs would bring stuff like, hey, this is stuff that we're going to try out, or what do you think oh, yeah. of this? So it would always be this kind of fun experimental bottle and food share, too. It was cool. Yeah, and I'm that's kind of like why I got into the business in the first place, really, is just to meet meet people and sort of build, a, you know, participate, build and participate in the, the food and beverage community in, in Portland. And we have been crushed this year more as an industry, more so than I think any other industry. Maybe cruise lines those people got destroyed but yeah but then they got a huge kickback yeah yeah and and the the restaurant industry still has not had that one kind of thing like the airlines have had and whatever and i read that guy fieri raised more money for the restaurant industry than congress did yeah i like Uh, guy fieri do we like guy fieri i like the guy i don't but he's easy to pick on I, 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 as a personality, I cannot stand him, but I will not sit here and argue that, that what he has done was, is, you know, like that was a good thing. That was a very so, good thing that he did. They just rebroadcast an episode of the sport for where he was a guest on it. And he was very honest about how, if he could go back and pick a different persona, he would, mm. it drives him nuts that he's known as the frosted tip flame shirt flavor town guy. He's like, Hmm. he's like as gimmicks go he's like i wish i'd never had fucking done that he's like because it's not who i am but it's but he's like but it's what pays the bills so they get they get tv guy and Mm. that's really not who i am Um, i like it's also kind of a fun you know you see you watch the diners drives and dives and and he he comes in he's got this super you know the first time you start watching him you're like wow this is a really different guy he's such a nice guy when he's tasting this probably mediocre sandwich or whatever you know yeah but yeah he's well, like go ahead sorry oh uh, say so i will agree he's i've never seen him be anything but nice yeah just just yeah. unbearable yeah yeah he raised 21 million dollars for the restaurant for restaurant workers mm-hmm. yeah. wow yeah, yeah he's, he's still doing it and like when there was the huge paradise fire in california he just brought in all of his because he only could cook outdoors, but he just brought it all in and like fed those towns for days on end. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's that. Yeah. Um, another little bit of good news. I think it was announced yesterday. They haven't hit their full goal, but they uh, Enchanted Forest has raised enough that they will be able to reopen next year. During yeah, the- they were on OPB today. Hey. Yeah, so yeah, that they said good news to hear. Yeah, they said in August 2021, we will be able to celebrate our 50th anniversary. Yeah. That's good to hear. So, yeah, that's really nice to hear. Now we got to try to save um, fucking um, Dan and Louise. I thought that's what you were going to say. Mm. Yeah. I know, I'm seeing a lot of headlines about, you know, like Portland restaurant that, you know, survived the Great Depression and now closing its doors. Yeah, there's some there's some depressing number. I think it was 17% of all restaurants are already closed at this point and mm-hmm. uh, permanently? Yeah, permanently. Yeah. So I think the thing that angers me the most about, I mean it all angers me, but the pro- I think that really is just and I don't 
I, I would assume most of us are, are realizing it's that these places are now just going to get bought up by like, you know, investment banking. Like they're just, it's going to homogenize. Even yeah. more. Even more. Right. Yeah. The Shake Shacks and the fucking Chipotles and the. Yeah. So yeah, that, you know, like that, you know, I don't know what they're like anymore, but like the Santeria that's connected to Mary's club. Yeah. Like one day it's going to be, yeah. Chipotle. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Gone. Is it gone? It's, yeah, it's gone. That's a bad example, but you know, it it had changed hands uh, a couple of years back, and when I last went errand running in the area, it's boarded up and like it's gone. Yeah. Mary's is somehow operating, but central strip clubs will always endure. <laughs> will they? Yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. know. Like that, there's an awful lot of shots being taken at like the entire sex worker industry, right? Yeah, right now, like it, it's because of laws that we let get passed, it's harder and harder for them to actually work right now, right? Because the passing of Sasta and Festa are the things that are allowing Instagram and Facebook to boot people off for trying to make a living. Right. So now they can't do their job in person and they can't try to accommodate that lack of work through social media. Yep. And, you know, it's great that OnlyFans exists, but that's also how the percentage is, what, 40 that they take? Wow. Ouch. (laughs) That's fucking huge. Wow. For all my issues with Patreon, they don't take that big of a cut. Yeah, OnlyFans takes a. It I might be exaggerating, but it's more than it ought to be. Well, and the thing about Patreon is like, what sort of content do they allow? Hmm. They used to allow more adult content, and they technically do, but they will bury you pretty deep. Um, yep. Unless you're already a pretty big established. Uh, sex worker or if you maybe you are a burlesque performer and you started one if you don't show up with a pretty heavy audience already you're never going to get it off the ground which is true for a lot of these site patreon sites just to begin with but that's like two strikes against you right off the gate and the problem is is people who have big names like that they also cause problems for everyone else like yeah part of the problem with only fans was what bella thorne did right and, you know, that made it harder for everybody on that side. Yeah. It's so bullshit. Hopefully we learn from these mistakes and we can make the, the future run a little bit better. But I'm, it's curious. We're going to see a lot of, like, industry shakeups and stuff. I don't know what you guys all thought your thoughts are on Warner Brothers putting all of their 2021 to HBO Max. Their entire lineup next year is going to HBO Max. Good. You know, I mean, it, it's it's where, I mean, I know that there are people who are willing to, you know, go to theaters, and there are people who are demanding the right to go to different places that are not available right now. But I think I think it's safe to say that the majority, like enough of a quorum, exists for people who are like, no. I'm going to be enjoying entertainment only in my home for the foreseeable future. 
So it's, they're hedging their bets. Like this is where the audience is. So this is where we will take the content. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I'm surprised that, um, that more parties aren't doing it. Streaming services are sort of, I don't want to say like on the lead of entertainment, but they're sort of like the big, the, like the, what am I trying to say? They're like the flashy ones that catch the news when things happen. They're the hip mm-hmm. new kids who should be onto the, the current trends. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the fact that only HBO has announced Oh, we're going to be putting our content, or the only uh, of Warner Brothers. Is, this is where we're putting our content. Is a little bit surprising. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure you guys heard that the uh, about the um, uh, Bob Dylan sold his rights to all of his music just a mm-hmm. couple days ago, mm-hmm. a nine figure deal. And I, I heard like a, a I don't know a NPR piece on it, and, and the person was really interesting. The, the perspective was really interesting that. The investment, that, the purchase that was made wasn't about like Bob Dylan or whatever. It was a purely financial transaction. The theory was that there's a lot of people out there who are still looking to invest money and, and you know get the return somehow. And there's so much uncertainty in so many traditional industries. So many industries are down or up or whatever. But there's there was a realization by some of some rich group that a music is quarantine proof like there's always no matter what happens with trends of the doordashification of consumers or amazonification or, or whatever music is like like unless we all get a disease where we can't hear each other um it's like really a really sound investment so this the group that bought the the dylan catalog approached it purely from a, a long-term investment uh point of view. So they're just, just going to maximize the investment on it and mm-hmm. knowing and they it's just, a super safe bet and they just will sell usage rides for limited times to different sites yeah. and stuff kind of and they're still they're, they'll, they'll pull in the pennies from the uh spotify's and whatever but yeah 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 spotify hardly pays anything at all they might as well not pay artists. fractions of pennies i mean yeah, well, i'm sure yeah. dylan makes pennies right? yeah no yeah taylor swift can make a, a make money off of of spotify but you know um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say I thought it was inevitable that this was the route that it was going to go, but I mean, I was, I'm with Denise on that. Like I'm, I think some of the other studios are going to wait and see how, how this affects Warner brothers. And if it even looks remotely positive, they're going to jump on it too. I do see in the chat that uh, supposedly AMC Theaters is suing Warner Brothers because of that decision. So, you know, it hasn't all come out of the wash yet. It hasn't. I don't see that suit going anywhere, especially since the, I forgot what the rule was called, that it just lapsed. Um, it was the federal law that I believe prohibited, prohibited studios from owning theaters because that's how it mm-hmm. used to be. Right. Um, that just lapsed. It didn't get renewed. So... What's what I think is going to happen is, and it's this is the thing that I think is potentially very dangerous and problematic is that I think in a couple years I don't see Regal uh, uh, rebounding. I, I think they've come permanently shuttered. I would not be surprised to read a headline a year from now that says Bezos has bought all Regal theater chains and you know creates Prime Cinema. You know. Um, I could see 
Apple teaming up with Universal or maybe Paramount and going in together on something. Um, ironically, the one that everyone assumed would be doing it is the one that I don't think can swing it. I don't see Disney hasn't had the capital to pull that off right now because they're still mm-hmm. just bleeding money. The only thing that makes them money right now is Disney Plus. Yep. <laughs> like, that's it. Everything else, they're, they're just losing their shorts on constantly. Wow. And surprisingly, they haven't changed their prices. No, they've also got huge numbers. I think only Netflix has more subscribers than them. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Um, and I think that's the, one of the reasons why, you know, Warner Brothers is doing this move. Because you'll also notice that the trial period for HBO Max is gone. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or it's going to be gone when Wonder Woman drops. Well, no, no, no. I read the headline on that, and it said that um, when Wonder Woman drops, it will not be available um, to anyone who is currently in their HBO trial mode. So it would only be if you have already gone beyond the trial period and are an active paying member. Right. Yeah, which I mean, which I get, because I think about back in the HBO, how many people signed up for Game of Thrones and then... You know, pulled the plug. A lot of people have do that like every year. They have like their one week where they they watch they they sign up for the free thing, watch everything that's been piling up for the year, and then and then sign out. Yep, I remember that. that during... Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, we did that for um, Disney for uh, um, Hamilton, and then then I was like, ah, we're actually not going to cancel this thing. So. Uh, <laughs> That was right. the theory. We went into it and we're like, oh, yeah, we'll pay $7 and watch the Hamilton musical. And then, That's why yeah. I refuse to sign up for anything, even temporarily, because I'm going to get too drawn into whatever they got. And then I'm like, one more service I'm paying for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but aren't you paying for most of them already anyway? Uh, exactly. I'm well, like, I've, I've, I've got enough services. I don't need more. Well, it's like, I, I know that Ted Lasso is amazing from everyone who's told me, but it's like, if I sign up for a test of, Apple TV, I'm going to forget. Mm-hmm. Or there's going to be something else. And I'm like, you guys just put it out like on... I, like, I'll buy a season. I don't want your service. But if you tell me <laughs> that you spend 20 bucks and you buy Ted Lasso, okay, I'll do that. Or just have it show up on Netflix and <laughs> it'd be even yeah, better. Eventually, they probably will. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it's Apple. It's their own service now. Yeah, but you, can, you can still have your own and then like sell it on the side for for more. Yeah, it's like Apple Studios versus, versus Because Apple because like, the, all of these services know that they you know, they there is going to be a like a like a set amount of the population that is just not going to sign up. And mm-hmm. it's like the people who like to do the free trial thing. Yes, it's exhausting, but if you really can't afford it, like, like HBO is 15 bucks a month, Netflix is up to like almost 20 bucks a month. Um, you know, you is sometimes really? you just really have to pick it. Um, well, I'm on a big family plan. Oh, and they, and they just raised their prices, so I know that now down. I'm looking at close to twenty bucks a month. Um, it's it it can really really add up. So after at a certain point, you have to just cut it off, but you still want that content, right? But you know, we we sit down, we we watch a lot of Netflix or whatever. But if we're if we're family sitting down, daughter and I sitting down, and we go click to Amazon and there's a movie we want to watch and it's $3. We never, $4. We never say no. Now, the course of the month, how many is that? Is that another 40 or 50 bucks probably? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's, it, so could we just watch what we wanted to watch at a, on a pay per, you know, 
pay-per-viewing, pay-per-season yeah. type of thing. Um, I'll search it. If, if, if a movie is on Amazon or whatever for additional money, I will, I will Google search if it's available anywhere else. And then I'll just yeah. weigh it by how much I want to watch it. I'm like, do I really want to see Invisible Man for thirteen ninety nine? Mm. No, I don't think I do. And then I waited long enough, and it was free on a different service. Yeah. I think a lot of me can rent through PlayStation also now. So I don't know. I've never used that, that service. Uh, I <laughs> I did when they were offering a deal for 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 ten dollars, you could get every Resident Evil movie, and I was like, well, hot damn! Of, of course you did. I'm jumping on that, that's a steal. <laughs> Worth every penny. You have 30 days to watch it? Was it a rental? No, no, or... permanently. Oh. Sir, I own every Resident Evil film now. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. And all future Resident Evil films as well? Oh, if only. I have future subscription service. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm kind of excited for the reboot. It's actually going to follow the games this time. That'll be interesting to see. Um, the best streaming deal out there is still Shudder. $4.99 a month if you like horror. You basically watch one thing a month, you've paid for Shudder. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, yeah, I bet that thing with Warner Brothers, though, I mean, part of it, I mean, you know, this is from the business side. Sometimes you just got to get shit off the books, too, you know, and that's just going to be, that's, you know, there were 10 titles that were just going to be just waiting stuff down. It's like, just, just push them off, move them on. Um, and I, I know that these days, movies in movie theaters are are in some sort of a digital format. Yeah. But there is still a production cost that goes into manufacturing and distributing those movies in that digital format in order in order to get it to all of the theaters. Um how much money do you think um what was it Revenant? The Revenant or Tenants or Tenant. Oh, they, Tenant. Lost the, they lost their shorts yeah. on Tenant. Because they sent it to theater first and now it's going to be available for streaming. Like they could have just bypassed that and saved that money. Well, and that's also um, God, what's his name, the director um, Nolan. Nolan, uh, who still only, I believe, only shoots in film. Um, oh. So even though it was then transferred digitally to theaters, the the main thing that studios save money by not distributing is is advertising. Usually, if you look at a movie's budget, that's also its advertising. So, say a movie costs two hundred million dollars to make they're going to drop another 90 to 100 advertising it. Um, but if you're not worried about theatrical numbers anymore, you don't have to pay for billboards and TV spots. You just pay for a couple mm. of internet ads that just kind of run randomly. Yeah. And Opening weekend is not that important. Isn't you don't need it anymore, especially if you have your own service. Every time you log into whatever, HBO Max, every time you log in, it says, who's watching it? And you click who it is. Yeah. Before you get the menu, if you get a quick 20-second video of, like, coming in two weeks, Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. I mean, how many times did I get come this close to watching Borat's second movie? Because every time you go to Amazon, it's just yelling at you to watch the damn thing. And I never did. But uh... Like, that. that's why – I mean, that's why that the, the Mulan, the live-action Mulan turned a profit. They made it for – I think just over 200 million and it's theatrical wasn't that great for, you know, for obvious reasons because of the pandemic and whatnot, but it almost had no advertising budget. Mm-hmm. So Disney didn't need it to do massive weekend numbers for them to break even and then start making a profit off it, which is what they did. I think they broke down 
within a month, basically in that window where they were charging 30 bucks for you to own it, even if you had Disney Plus, someone crunched the numbers and it pulled in like 250 million through just Disney Plus. And this seems like the absolute perfect spot to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. First up, our longest running sponsor and friend, Guardian Games. They are one of the country's best gaming stores you could ever possibly experience. Find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street here in Portland, Oregon. Their doors are still open and they are taking many precautions. So please do the same. Although I think if you don't, they just won't let you in. You know, that, that's simple game rules. You got to follow the rules. Um, in stock right now, we talk about it a little bit on the show, but Cyberpunk Red is out. It is the, not, it, I mean, kind of the companion to the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, but it's also standalone and they kind of influenced each other. So if you've ever been curious about the, the Cyberpunk genre as a role-playing game, uh, this RPG is, is one of the firsts. Uh, I don't know if Shadowrun came first, but Shadowrun's way more fantasy. Cyberpunk is... There's no dragons in Cyberpunk, is what I'm saying. There's no dragons or, or elves. Um, so yeah, the, the new book system is out there. As you heard what Cable said, it is packed with information. Stuff that didn't make it into the game. So uh, if you're curious about it, definitely check it out. There's actually a lot of role-playing games based on video game systems or, or vice versa. There are role-playing games based on comic book series. I, I know Green Ronin has the Lazarus role-playing game based on their system. There's all kinds of different types of role-playing games. And since we're all going to be indoors for a while, that is a great way to escape to other worlds other than the one you are stuck in right now. And it all happens at Guardian Games. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You can also find them and order online at guardiangames.com. And when you do so, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. Just like our next sponsor, Bridge City Comics. They are one of the best comic book shops in the city. Don't believe me? Check it out for yourself at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue over in North Portland. They have a wide selection of comics, obviously, because they're called Bridge City Comics. But, (laughs) woo, boy. Um... Yeah, so if you are realizing that, you know what, there was there was no Marvel movie in 2020. Oh my god, what am I going to do? Well, you could read some Marvel books, with which all of these movies are based on, would not exist without the comics, and you do it at Bridge City Comics. Uh, and this isn't a big shocker, on their Facebook page they just posted the news that a new alien story is coming to Marvel. Since Disney now owns Fox, Marvel publishing Alien was... Kind of a no-brainer, so I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, if Marvel's going to completely relaunch the comic franchise or if they're going to play off what came before. I'm guessing a complete reboot from the movies and go from there. But if you make sure you don't want to miss it, you can reserve a copy at Bridge City Comics, especially if you have a subscription box. So that's a great way to never miss your own, never miss your favorite books. Check them out. Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. And when you're there... Thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. You well, know, big, so. big, uh, big, big dollar news uh, this week. I don't know if, as the uh, resident Lord of the Rings um, fan in the in the a crowd here, I uh, the Amazon the billion dollar oh uh, purchase that they paid for the the, the um, right. I don't know. Did we talk about this in the past? How the, the very curious thing that they, that Amazon was able to buy from the. Tolkien Estate. They paid a billion dollars for the um, TV rights, right? 
everything except the Lord of the Rings, uh, the War of the Ring um, uh, content. So the War of the Ring content is was not for sale. Um, and but, that's basically that's Fellowship Two Towers and Return. Is that considered War of the Ring? Yeah, and maybe you can probably throw the Hobbit in there because they have it in the same timeline. They actually the Tolkien family they they sell it as a as a as a timeline. So Third Age transitioning into the Fourth Age in in TV is already in movie done. TV you can't buy it, but you can buy these other ages, these other other years. Um, oh. So Amazon bought all that. the other. Yeah, it's super weird how that works out. So Amazon bought all the other. Um, years and some years have hundreds of thousands of pages written about them. Some some hundreds hundreds of year periods have thousands of pages written about them, and some of them have like very few pages. So it's really interesting to so so we know now that um, we don't know what periods of time the the show is going to be, but we we can make some inferences based on the new cast list. And just this last week, a new cast list came out. Well. Not really cast list. Does cast imply what characters they're playing? Because they didn't tell us what characters. Uh, no, not cast list is, Yeah. Okay, so we have a cast list. Uh, it's the second cast list that was announced for the. Um, I don't know what you call it, Middle Earth, because not Lord of the Rings is the Middle Earth on Amazon or something, and it's a really cool looking cast list. Um, uh, tons of diversity. Um, and uh, they're still they're still claiming they're going to start filming in in New Zealand here this year, twenty twenty one. But it is really cool, especially I like the parts where they're working with content that Tolkien didn't write a lot about. He wrote a lot about it the, the leading up to it and the, and the after aftermath of it. So you can infer a ton, but it gives the writers, the show writers, an incredible amount of latitude to fill in huge huge amounts of detail without necessarily pissing off uh, Middle-earth fans because there's no content written about it. As long as they do a good job, you know, and stay right. true to it. And one of the things that they can do really well is throw in a lot more non-white folks because Tolkien never really calls out white uh, in, in his descriptions. He calls out not white a couple of times as the, the evil black Southrons who destroy everything and whatever. Um, yeah. But he, um, there's a lot of opportunity for, for a modern reader to look at particularly the second age, which we think they're, he's going to be working with, they're going to be working with as an opportunity for a lot of diverse people to be able to, to be included and have it be super authentic and not like just pandering. So, so it's pretty cool. What covers the era of the second age? That's not the Similarian, is it? Is that? Uh, well, Similarian, yeah, goes from kind of covers everything all the way up until, um, just, before kind of the War of the Ring. So it's important. I think the, the Second Age is is very, very limited limited content in the Silmarillion and in his other works. So there's not a lot of um, opportunity to screw things up. Um, but it also, I think, it really directly ties into the Third Age. So the non-Middle-earth fans uh, know about, they know the name Sauron, right? And they know the Ring of Power. And they might not know who made the rings and under what circumstances and were there three elven rings or six elven? But there were some elven rings, I think. Ring wraiths. Okay, yeah, we know what a ring wraith is. And um, there's these there's these little pieces that that, that have that have wormed their way into common common knowledge. And the second age has like the forging of the rings and how Sauron became known as Sauron the Deceiver and why the elves are all like squirrely and want to get out and 
you know, how men, humans, you know, had this big rise that they that they did, which then led led into the third age, which we um, which we know a little bit better. So there's a lot of opportunities for a casual fan to be like, oh, they're talking about the ring here, and you're like, yeah, that's that it's that ring. But if you go much earlier, then you're getting into this super weird stuff where the only thing that you can put your finger on is, oh, it's an elf named Galadriel. I know that name, and I don't know anything <laughs> else that's going on. Elrond wasn't even born yet in, like, three-quarters of the Silmarillion. So um, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for them to do. I'm really excited. As a super diehard Lauder fan, I think that I'm um, go, guys, go. You spent a billion dollars. You better spend another billion to make it look good. So you just call <laughs> it Lauder fan? Lauder <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. No, I haven't heard that before. We're like 10, 10 times in a day. You, you start, you know, trimming these things up a little bit. Yeah, you got to shrink it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a fun thing to talk about. Do you like you or Cable or Denise? Are there ever like franchise books you like that we like? You know what? It'd be cool to see if they could expand them into a series. Hmm. To think about that. Yeah. Um, or like fill in the gaps, you know? Well, here the funny thing oh, yeah. is, there are plenty of book series that are already a series that I enjoy, such as Dresden Files or The Expanse. Uh, the, uh, off the top of my head, those are two book franchises that have a lot of novellas that fill in the gaps between, mm. you know, events from from the you know one book to the next, and sort of give you that more expanded universe vibe. And yet in neither of those scenarios have I ever actually taken the time to dive into those novellas often because I only learn about them after I've already made it a certain way through. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to double back and then like hop around in the timeline um, because that's, that's disruptive to my brain essentially. So I'm like, I I guess I'm just not going to have that, that those bits of like extra canon. Right. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about like Rogue One, the way it like totally just you know where that moment where it's like these are the plans that we stole. You're like, oh my god, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Like once I started getting into the expanded stuff with Star Wars, so Rebels, Clones, Rogue One, I I, I get really bogged down in trying to like mentally place where all of those things belong oh, yeah. beyond <laughs> you know episodes four through six. One through three, seven and nine. I have to just like I'm like sometimes I just need a, a like a big old timeline in oh, yeah. front of me, or I, I get lost worrying about where these things land rather than enjoying the story. Right. Those timelines um, exist. They do. Yes. Yeah. They are usually in the front of every current Star Wars like book and and uh, comic too. They usually do though. Uh-huh. I know a lot of the stuff that Dark Horse did is now all considered legacy or whatever, but Dark Horse used to always print on the very bottom the timeline. It was it was kind of cool, and they used oh. to start to fit in and stuff. That's pretty cool. But the uh, only Star Wars comics I ever read were the, just the Marvel comics uh, run from a couple years ago. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think they're still going, but I don't read mm-hmm. them anymore. Yeah, they are. Uh, I think if you were to go to StarWars.com, it would, I'm sure there's a timeline on there. Or just hit up Dave Filoni, see if he'll answer you. Dear Dave. Um, well, who will answer you once in a while is his wife. She is also active online. Uh, a different name, but you can catch her every once in a while. And she'll be like, I'll ask him for you. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, she does She does marketing for Lucasfilm, I believe. So, um, Although speaking of Rogue One, they're still moving ahead on the uh, the Cassian Andor 
series. They've been in pre-production and they're going to start filming pretty soon on that one. So that should be kind of fun. Even though you know the ending to it, it's still going to be kind of fun to see. I don't know. I've always liked the idea of that. Yes, the rebels were the clearly the good guys, but in those early days, you know, they had to get kind of down and dirty to fight the empire, you know, and they were, you know, before they had, you know, big capital ships, they were, you know, they were scrappers, they were guerrilla fighters and that, you know, that comes with a price, and that's kind of the angle that I think the Cassian series is going for. So that's a fun way to approach it. Mm. Um, so, which means, Nat, have you been watching The Mandalorian? Uh, I'm currently a little backlogged. I, I have a tendency to... Um, I really don't like consuming content one week apart. Uh, wow. I like to get things all finished up and then, and then binge, binge, binge all the way through. I just don't... I can't... Something about it just bothers me. Yeah. Is it like the cliffhanger that like frustrates you? Um, a, no, a little bit. But mostly, it's like I don't have the the my weekly schedule isn't like put that on the calendar. I'm gonna do it, and so I'd like miss a week, and then it would be like, oh, I gotta do the thing, and then I just feel like that pressure, you know, kind of like I'm, I'm I'm missing out. Um, whereas if I wait until it's done, then it's just like oh, I'll just wait until it's finished, and then I'll just do it all in one day. I can yeah. relate to that. Yeah. Uh, Cable, was there a series you thought it'd be kind of cool to, you'd like to see it come to life on the screen, as it were? Uh, I'm, I've admitted this before, I'm admittedly not as well read as an adult as I ought to be. Um, most of the series that I've read as an adult have been by uh, William Gibson. And some of that has made it to film and some of it has not to varying degrees of great to mostly (laughs) meh. Right. Um, And, and and, uh, video game this week, this week. Yes. Yeah. Trust me. That has been a topic of conversation in the, (laughs) in this particular household for at least a month. Yeah, I mean, it was delayed for damn near a year, so mm-hmm. it is you know, apparently oh, still very oh gitchy. I know. Well, yeah, similar yes. to my point of like waiting for things to finish, I am going to wait like three or four months to start to play Cyberpunk because I want the one, I want the one point one patch to come out <laughs> before yeah. I, you know, spend all my time on it. Yeah, we uh, we may have uh, a copy of Cyberpunk Red, the core rulebook which came out a couple of weeks ago. Ah, I have the uh, Cyberpunk in 2020. In, uh, I played that as a high schooler, actually. Yeah. The, the new Cyberpunk Red was originally supposed to come out the same day as Cyberpunk 2077. Um, and then both release dates got screwed up. Um, so the video game is still coming out next week. The book came out a couple of weeks ago. Its price went up because they went, oh, with our delay, we went ahead and added more content to the book. So Mm -hmm. you're getting a bigger book with more stuff in it. There you go. That's good. So is the book the same era as the game then? It's supposed to run side by side? The... As I have been told by Merrick, the the folks that are... Like, the folks that are really deep into this have recommended using the book to draw up the kind of character that you plan on using in the game. 
Cool. Oh, that's cool. a kind of a cool nice. idea. And she's just been basically reading the book um, day after day to get deep into the lore of it to get herself ready to start playing on Thursday when the game gets out. Mm-hmm. That is something Jeez. that I learned from Merrick, by the way. Uh, I never, I've never mentioned this before, but you reminded me of it. It never occurred to me to sort of research a game or kind of dive into the the mechanics and the character building stuff before actually starting a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned that Merrick did that, uh, you know, when I played a different game with her, and I'm like, wow, that's it's really smart. It probably makes your game a lot better. And it hmm. does. So tell Merrick I said thanks. Like role playing games or video <laughs> games in general, or just just video games in general? Because even it doesn't have to be like a complex role playing game to necessarily like give you an opportunity to like develop your own stats hmm. uh, and stuff like that, or just sort of knowing what the story, like the, like a general outline of what the story is, can kind of help you with decision making throughout the course of the game. Right, you're supposed to throw yourself into this like make this decision about this, make this decision about that. And how do you do that if you don't know what you're doing, who you are? Right, if you just dive in head first without at least some general knowledge, you're, you know, I've definitely like played myself into corners where I'm like, wow, I really wish I had more than one save file because I'd love to go back about 14 hours and have done things a little bit differently. Sure. Right. Yeah. Sorry, that was a total sidebar. No, but that makes sense. I mean, I know whenever, like, especially with video game RPGs, I'll I'll kind of decide how I want to approach it, and then in my own head start to write a backstory to the character, regardless of what the game is making the character experience. Mm. Um, and I always just enjoy them more that way. I mean, that's why I bring it up a lot. Like, it's one of the I think I enjoy Skyrim so much. Not so much what the game does, but what it allows my brain to do as I play it because you're very much a blank slate in that game you give yourself an appearance that you almost never see after that and then you generate stats and abilities depending on the missions you pick even though there's the one story that everyone eventually has to finish it's how you go about playing it and it lets you create the story in your own head because honestly for as much praise as that game got about this in-depth world it only feels like you have a lot of choice because there's so many side missions and the world's so big. The world itself is pretty much an on-rails adventure. You will do this, then you must go do this, then you have to fight the dragon. It, it's like a, these are the things that end up happening and your decisions in the grand scheme of things, apart from the main mission, have almost no impact on the game. Mm. Um, unless you choose to in your own head to do it. Of how you play it through. Um so that's definitely a good way to approach them for sure. Well, that's what's exciting about theoretically exciting about cyberpunk is that there's like, I, I've read that you can get like three quarters of the way through the entire main quest, main story or 90% or something without killing another character if you want, which <laughs> I think is just like super, just, just crazy. It's that, pretty you know, radical. Yeah. And so it's I'm special. like really excited, you know, yeah, the other big thing I read about it is that um, you can, let me phrase it correctly, you can present as one gender, but when you're in building the character, you can build it as mm. not that gender if you want. Mm. I don't think they have a non-binary 
um, descriptor to pick from. Um, but I've read reviews of like, you know, I've a, I, you know, I, I, I picked a, you know, a, a male character who does not have a penis. Like that, mm. the, I think the review I read is like, because that's who I am. I finally get to do that in the game. Right. I don't know how well they're going to handle it, but the fact that they gave me that option was a big step. So right. I'm curious how that plays out. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about for that reason. I'm kind of thinking about playing Cyberpunk as literally myself. Oftentimes, I'm playing. I, I, I like you said, Aaron, and you create some persona and you fill in the backstory and you start making decisions that way. And, and I'm just, I'm wondering if I should just play cyberpunk, like literally as making my own decisions and not just physically, but like putting myself into that. Like position. injecting like, your own morals into it. Not exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, when, when you're Geralt and your decisions are like, should I kill the baby or not kill the baby? It's like, <laughs> I would never fucking be here in the first place, man. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. But if you're Geralt, the truth is usually kill the baby. Cause it's going to come back. <laughs> Some horrible yeah. demon is going to bite you later on. So yeah, I might yeah. as well do it now. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I remember in the old Metal Gear games, well, once they became more stealth oriented, you could play those games without killing anyone. Mm. Um, until the very end, then it would force you to fight the boss. But um, I've seen Skyrim playthroughs where the characters uh, avoid killing, except for dragons that the game forces you to do. Using spells that only make people run away um, wow. never ever engaging in actual physical and fatal combat. So, Interesting. But those are more of people that are trying to break a game kind of thing. Yeah, sort of like can I do it? So. Whatever. Yeah. What are you going to say, Cable? I was just going to comment that I'm starting to take more and more umbrage with games that have you kill a dragon. I would like to hear more about that. It's an egregious act. It's like, why? I don't know. Like, I know that it's a popular thing in in all of our fiction. You know, it's like you you have to muster the forces to kill a dragon. It's like, why the fuck are we killing dragons? Mm. They are the things that we we should be revering and gaining knowledge and wisdom from. Why are we killing them? What is it about that's the thing that we have to kill? Not if you grew up with this, like, Eurocentric form of, like, history and fantasy. Beowulf, yeah. yeah I think but... about, like, all the different cultures that, like, deify or, you know, like, in, in, in whatever aspect, respect a dragon. But oh, yeah, yeah. my earliest and most common exposure to the concept of a dragon as we nerd were, you know, books like Lord of the Rings, but, you know, other other franchises where it's all about, you know, knights and castles and killing dragons. So uh, I'll give you a a backstory. One of the earliest uh, stories that I remember from childhood was uh, a Mare Meiser book. Is that right? Mercer Mercer Meyer. Um, He uh, did a retelling of a story that was called everyone knows what a dragon looks like. And the impetus of the story was not to kill a dragon. It was a small village that was about to be attacked by um, barbarians from the outside. And they all decided, well, we, we need to pray to the dragon. And they all, they all get together and they pray that the dragon 
the, the great dragon of the east will come down and save their village and, and keep them from this from happening. And the fable is more about don't judge things by appearances because this fat old man shows up the following day and says, hi, I'm the dragon. I'm here to save your village. And the, hmm. the poor um, homeless orphan boy that sweeps the streets in front of the main gate is the one that goes, oh, great. Uh, let me take you to the, 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 the town leaders and we'll get you taken care of. And everyone has an opinion about what dragons actually look like. And none of them agree that it looks like a fat old man. Um, but the, the young boy goes, I'm sorry, everyone's treated you this way. Here's a bowl of rice. Please sit in my humble abode and, and rest your feet. And he's like, for you kid, I'm going to save the village. Um, it's like everyone else can go pound sand, but I'll save the village for you. And then it turns out he's actually the fucking dragon. <clears throat> Thanks, yeah. cat. Um, but that was like it was after that that I started reading stories where oh we have to go slay the dragon. But it was always it's always stuck in the back of my head, and, and it's come more and more forward over the years. I've been looking at fairy tales through a more modern lens. That's also why I'm having issues with. Kitsune fairy tales, uh, the fox spirit, where they're always malicious, they're always evil, they're always tricksters. And I'm like, yes, and they're also also always women, and all of these stories are written by men. So I think this is bullshit. Mm. <laughs> I I think that the monsters and creatures of our myths and legends that we always have to slay, I think we're slaying the wrong things. <laughs> um, Cable, how do you think? Uh, I'm I'm, I'm I've been. Playing Breath of the Wild for a long time, and I'm still mm. still playing it. And I think it, I, you're talking about dragons. Kind of, I'm actually trying to get some shards from one of the whatever for the thing. And I think it's interesting. I think Breath of the Wild may have done a pretty good job with the dragons. They're sort of these neutral creatures, which are um, occasionally damaging if you get too close to them. But they're not. It seems like they're not. Do you, do you have any thoughts about the Breath of the Wild the way they handle dragons? Um, I don't because I have never I've never played any of the Zelda games. Yeah, like, like <laughs> that, like both Zelda and Super Mario Brothers, I missed. Like it didn't click with me at, at a young age, so like it's never been part of my uh, adult nostalgia. And mm. it's like so I, I've never never jumped into it because I'm like, eh, like zombie Resident Evil, yes, all day long, but sure. you're not. <laughs> And kill those things. Yeah, I'm I'm still 100% on kill zombies. We're okay with killing zombies. And Wesker. Screw that guy. Oh, man. From the get-go, he should have been <laughs> the first one you put a bullet in his head. What if, what if Val Kilmer got really douchey? <laughs> that's, yes. That's yeah, Wesker. Albert Wesker is a character from Resident Evil that is behind most of the bullshit that happens. Ah, gotcha. But he has perfectly combed blonde hair, wears his sunglasses all the time. Mm. You Uh, say that as though these are antithetical to his douchebaggery. No. No, no. No. They are are hallmarks of his douchebaggery. Okay. I'm just making sure I understood that correctly. Um, Um, Yeah, I mean... I think like back in the day, D and D was all. I mean, it's in the name of the game, Dungeons and Dragons. Was all about you know you got to kill the dragon. But I think as the game evolved, you got more nuance from them. Mm. Um, and as but, the decades evolved as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, like now, I, mean, I understand that 
one of the, the the dragon that everyone's like, nah, fuck that dragon, go kill it, is white dragons because they're dumb and mean, and will like, yeah. it's like, oh look, they're people. I'm gonna go kill them just for fun. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's and that's what I'm saying. It's like it's this very like historically Eurocentric concept and if you mm-hmm. wanted to like boil it down further it's it has some religious connotations too mm. because you know there's that whole thing about like and man shall have dominion over the earth and the beasts and whatever just the idea that it just portraying a dragon as this just this big enormous animal that doesn't know anything and it can only be destructive and harmful to the people and the people are more important so guess what we're going to kill that dragon and still, that's only within the past 2,000 years then. Right. right. Because but, it, like, it's from the Dark Ages forward that we really codified those uh, concepts from religious, oh, the dragons are related to evil or related to uh, hell or the devil. Mm, demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know a lot of pre-colonial Central and South American, they don't really have dragons as we know them. They've got Feathered serpents, which are mm-hmm. similar. The, that's the Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl is one of them. They have multiple um, versions of it. There's something similar to the Leviathan in there, in, in there too, isn't there? Hmm. Uh, I yeah, I'm a little off on the the understanding of that one. And those are looked at more like godlike creatures, right? Like the Chinese dragons that are depicted in Breath of yeah, the Wild. Yeah, they're godlike mm-hmm. or they're primal. They're primal elements. Mm-hmm. As opposed to agents dragon. of the evil one kind of thing, and that's yeah. how dragons were presented eventually. Right. Um, during rena- you know, dark ages and then leading into Renaissance writing and, and whatnot. Um yeah. so it's it's really the colonizers that ruined dragons for everybody. Okay. So. <laughs> ruined I mean, after we've killed all the dragons, then we're then we're like, hey, these actually these guys were actually bad. And then right. we killed them all. Uh yes. What was I going to say? I had something else, and now it's completely gone. I don't know. Like, all of that got born out of... I was wanted to see something made out of William Gibson novels, so... <laughs> well, all going back to the... That, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, going back to the, the novels question, the, the core question that we had started with, mm-hmm. uh, we did get a couple things from the chats uh, oh, that I was going to throw out for us. Um, one of them was um, Norm said he'd like to see... Um, Shows that take place in the uh, the world of Andy Weir's Artemis. He says that that's a very rich world. Uh, I actually don't know anything about those. So, I, yeah, like Artemis Fowl. No, I, I no. It, Artemis was Andy Weir's follow up to Ready Player One. Oh no, no, thank you. Uh, Ready Player One was uh, just a slog, uh, a punishing slog, and I I did hear an excerpt from the Ready Player Two and hard pass, not even out of curiosity this time. <laughs> there was an entire day on Twitter that that's all anyone was posting were their favorite garbage pe- um, excerpts out of Ready Player Two. Like reading a bad romance novel for oh, yeah. fun? Yeah. Was... <laughs> Sorry, Norm. <laughs> I don't think you had any you know, I, on that one. I know a lot of people really, really enjoy the book, so I, I just keep myself quiet on that. Mm. Well, a lot of people like the Hunger Games, too, so... Which I've never read, so I never even seen the movies either, so I couldn't say Ooh. anything to them. Yes, we're catching uh, up to do there. Well, I mean, or one day, no big deal. 
I saw the I saw the movies. The, you know what it was? It was years ago. It was a Thanksgiving, you know, break situation. You you know, you pop on a marathon. You you pay attention or you don't. Uh, so I really only got half of what was going on through that series. I don't hate it. I don't think it's terrible. Still not going to read the books. I think that there's probably better uses of my time. It did exactly what uh, that movie series was supposed to do, which was really solidify Jennifer Lawrence's career. And, and it, it definitely did that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. We got it wrong. Andy Weir is the guy who wrote The Martian. Oh. Uh, and I would absolutely... Oh, Martian. Why, did I think, why am I thinking... What is... I, I don't know who you're thinking of, then. Did Ready... To the internet. Did Ernest, Ernest Klein is the, Ernest the writer Klein for that. Have a weird have a weird follow-up? A weird what? Oh, I'm thinking of his follow-up novel, Armada. I don't know why I confuse the two. Oh, I see. Uh, Armada is bad. Don't read it. All right. I, du- double sorry, Norm. Um, sorry, Norm. No, I, I think pretty much everyone here is an Andy Weir fan. Yeah, I, I did read Artemis. It was I, I think The Martian's better. I did not catch Artemis. Um, I would read I- that, though. I also have not watched The Martian, so I can't, or read The Martian, so I I can't say. Highly recommend. Yeah, yeah both. It's, both. It's one of the both rare times where yeah. both are equally valid in their own way. Great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It does yeah, look like I there's agree. an Andy Weir Artemis uh, coming to movie. Oh, oh so it is coming to the screen. All I just right. Googled it, yeah. Norm, you got your wish. Boom, this you're, was, wel- this you're welcome. So maybe not. I, I don't know, so. Maybe it got sideways. <clears throat> he also mentioned uh, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash could be updated for a good oh, story. Anything I, Neil Stevenson. Can I get anything? I got that one on my want-to-read list years ago and still haven't gotten to it. Snow Crash, Cryptonomicon, Diamond Age. I have mixed feelings about Snow Crash. Like, I liked it, but I also was annoyed by it. Like, it... Did you read Cryptonomicon? That's like the, it's like the epitome of that book. I didn't. I, the only Neil Stevenson book that I've read is Snow Crash, and it's still getting past the pun of having the char- the the lead character's name hero protagonist. It's like yeah. hero. Damn it, yeah. hero protagonist. Yeah, H I R O. It's still hero. it's Japanese. Still, that's, or, you know. that's a little heavy handed, and by like, a little I mean extremely. And the, the character is Hoppa. Like I do it. Like that. It was recommended to me by another Hoppa that's like, you should totally read this book. Like, why? It's like, dude, it starts a half Japanese guy with a ponytail. And at the time I had hair and a ponytail. So like, oh, okay. If I had read it when I was 20, I would totally would have identified with hero protagonist. I read it when I was like in my mid thirties. It's like, guys, guys. Mm. Like I, I identified more with the, um, the Russian assassin with the obsidian knives. It's like, hmm, you I like. Let's go. Let's go get vodka. <laughs> I should revisit him because I've just realized I've never been able to finish a Neil Stevenson book. Mm. Hmm. Oof, that is a scathing indictment yeah. of Andy Serra's Neil Stevenson books. I, well, I, did you have you only ever tried to do Cryptonomicon, like four thousand pages? Uh, it was probably Cryptonomicon. It's probably yeah. the one I keep trying. Maybe I should. Yeah, try don't it. do that. I like Diamond Age. It's a, I think is that one that he co-wrote with. Uh, um, Bill Gibson, um, super uh, cool, steampunkish. Uh, it's, 
Oh fuck! I used to know the room. I used to know the name of the book that he wrote, co-wrote with Bill. Uh, like, like I know him. Sorry. <laughs> Me, Ellie. Although I do want to back up a bit. Um, I thought the question had initially been like, uh, like book series where yeah, you yep. want the world to be expanded more, but then somehow we sort of committed to the idea of those shows being on TV and yes. book franchises that we want to see made into movies or TV is a question we already answer a lot. So I yeah, want to go I was talking back about to like, the whole expansion thing. Yeah, that's where I was. I was like, you know, a, yeah, a series of novels that you'd like to see expanded more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I have an answer, so I don't know why I brought attention back to that. No, no, that's fine. I mean, it's probably good. Well, um, I was gonna, I was on the previous thread. I was gonna mention the Foundation series, but then I realized, no, 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 we don't need any more content in the Foundation series. There's like fifty so books many. on that one. We're done with that one, even though it is coming to TV or whatever. So, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. I would like to, and I know, and I think actually, I'm, I'm sure someone's doing it. I would like to see a really big expanded world of the Hyborian Age, which is total like loincloths and swords and that's Conan shit. Because mm. like, you know, even though all the Conan books are all around the one character, like Robert E. Howard was always referencing other things that had happened that Conan had just missed or Conan had just killed this person who at one time had done this. So there's like a lot within, you know, the Hyborian age. It could be expanded upon and I don't know, tell a bigger meta story that also connects it with, um, I think Cole, I think Cole's supposed to be Conan's grandfather. By the way, don't ever watch the movie Cole with Kevin Sorbo. (laughs) Actually don't watch anything with Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, um, no, that's right. Hotel, and you're he, off on. Yeah, he became kind of a jackass. Yes, like, he did very yeah. much so. I don't know if you he, become a jackass. Aren't you always a jackass, and then eventually you just probably yeah. They, like and, I don't know. I think some people start out as not assholes and then take a hard right turn mm-hmm. uh, to asshole them. Um, and I think mainly just because I like the visuals of it, I'd like to see an expansion of the worlds of Solomon Kane, which is also Robert E. Howard. But that's straight up because the main character is a monster hunter that dresses like a steampunk pilgrim. <laughs> like literal like pilgrim. He's got the hat and the boots, but he also carries a sword and he has to have the, like abrasers of flintlocks. And I'm just a sucker for that look. So, you know, I'm like, I should do that. That'd be cool. Um, Have you you guys read the uh, Hyperion series by Dan Simmons? Hyperion, Fall of Hyperion, Endymion, Rise of mm -mm, Endymion. mm -mm. That was another. Dan Simmons, really good author. That's that's one I could I could throw out as I'd like to see it more developed. He did basically four books. It was two books, and then thousands of years in the future was two books. So, um, and that was one of those really rich worlds, like you're mentioning for the Conan thing, where it's like. You're, you're hearing about these things and you're never able to get this true story because right. the plot of this story keeps moving along. Yeah, that'll be a... It's, it's yeah. like how the actual novel of never-ending story always has, the, well, that's a story for another time. That's a story right. for another time. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Uh, which I, don't, a- I don't need more details within this story, but I want to... Yeah, uh, related stories, yeah, in the same world. Yeah. Right. Um, and something that I think that, that uh, Lucasfilm's kind of doing right now, I am kind of curious to see about stories. They're now calling it the High Republic, 
you know, back in like the Republic's glory, like it, when things were going well kind of thing. Mm. Um, I think it has a, it has an opportunity to be this really good mix of sci-fi, but high fantasy, which is what Star Wars really is. It's fantasy, but it's in space. You know, it's got wizards. It, it's fantasy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't ever try and tell me it's sci-fi. It, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, not sci. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's great, you know. Um, but yeah, now it's weird that I brought that up as a topic because I can't think of one like a series that I was like, I'd like to see expanded. Um, I thought of one. Yep, but yours. So I had to like scan my Goodreads to remember things I've read and be able to find something that doesn't already have this. Um, so I mentioned this uh, author a couple years ago. Her name is Meg Allison, and she wrote a book called the uh, The Book of the Unnamed Midwife, which uh, was basically this like catastrophic. Actually, come to think of it, it was some sort of a pandemic that hit. Uh, at least all of the continental United States, you know, theoretically, globally. Um, and it, it was a disease that mostly inflicted women and children. And so after, like, this big wave hits everyone, there is a scarcity of women, and there's no real social structures or government anymore. And this woman who survived has to, yeah, uh, has to sort of, like find her people and, you know, survive a world where, um, well, women don't have power anymore because they are few and far between and there are a lot more men and, you know, and they take, they take what they want. Um, and that eventually became a series. Uh, but the rest of the series expands on essentially her legacy, the things like the, the long game of this woman's life, uh, like the, the, the long standing results of, what she did with her life after that plague and how it affected the societies that were formed after her uh, to where she's basically a historical figure within these, within this community anyway. And they inter and in the following books, there's interactions with other communities and those other communities have different um, belief systems and just social structures, depending on what sort of, things that they relied on when everything became so insular and tribal. And uh, you only get to have some introduction to some of those other communities, but it's basically like visiting a completely different country or world because they're so different from one another. That is an example of, uh, I would love to see more world building outside of the things that the main characters get exposed to. Mm. That'd be cool. Sounds like a very like thought provoking universe it, and, and it then gets, there's one story told in this thought provoking universe it gets pretty heavy the first book definitely a lot of like a heavy trigger warning for you know assault and things like that and then in the subsequent books they touch on stuff like being transgender and non-binary and basically every community can look at it in a different way in one community, it can be like this this heralded thing that is like really unique and special, but in another community, you could get stoned to death for it. Right. So yeah, it's it's definitely a heavy series, and um, I like I warn anyone who wants to read it if they're sensitive to any of those topics. But it's it's really good writing. Well, I won the Philip K. Dick in 2016. 
cool. Um, Gene in the chat mentions the Anita Blake series. <laughs> Anita Blake, I'm not familiar. Um, I would have. Vampire Hunter. Yeah, if if they had made an Anita um, Blake television series instead of a True Blood television series, I'd have been all about that. Yeah, I mean, really? it still could happen. She's still she's got a novel coming out next year. Yeah, I mean, it's so trashy. It's super trashy. So uh, trashy, but it's so good. Yeah. But I mean, so is tr- uh, so is True Blood. Yeah, it was just like I, I had never read any of the True Blood. Uh, it and it just I don't know. It was it was fun trash, but it's a lot of vampires and werewolves and uh, sex with. Yeah, and yeah. sex with vampires and werewolves. Yeah, um, Lots dude, of I being I just rewatched the uh, uh, Twilight series. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, but Anita Blake no. is actually sexy. I have never <laughs> read or watched any of Twilight, and I think I'm okay for never having. I watched the second Twilight at a special screener. I got invited by the owner of the Roseway because for some reason. Well, now that I think about it, because so much of it was filmed in the Northwest, the Portland chapter of, like, the Twilight fan club had won the exclusive, like, week before it hits National Theater screener, and the Roseway was the pick to host, because they didn't want to have a huge screening. The Roseway sits, what, 200 people or whatever? Yeah. And it was disturbing. Um not for the content of the movie. It was disturbing <laughs> to see a theater full of, you know, middle-aged moms. Like, that's who was in that theater. Oh, it, wow. wasn't, it wasn't teens. It was their moms. And just sounding like horny sailors every time Jacob took off his shirt. The character, by the way, who I believe is meant to be 16... Mm-hmm. And I'm watching yeah. it from like they used to have a balcony space that uh, at one time probably had seating. It didn't anymore, but you could still go up there if you knew the owner. And I was like, "This is really awkward and uncomfortable to watch." Yeah. Wait, sixteen in, in the second Lattner, movie, right? Yeah. Jake the werewolf isn't he young? Yeah, he's. Well, they're in, they're all in high school. She's supposed. Bella's supposed to be seventeen, and well, Bella's actually actually is seventeen. The Kristen Stewart was seventeen in that in that filming. Mm. Um, and then Edward Cullen is supposedly, you know, 119 years old or something. But yeah, I watched the first one because uh, a, a friend, coworker at the time, literally begged me. I'm talking, please, please watch it with me. Mm. I just know that if you watch it, if you, you if you just give it a chance, no, it was already on video. Oh. She owned it and she begged me. Oh. I know if you watch it with me, you'll like it. Just please give it a chance. And I almost injured my eyes from rolling them so hard. It's 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 so bad. It's so so bad. And I you will so never bad. talk me into watching one of the other ones. So bad. We we watch them very much as a let's watch this ter- quarantine. Let's watch these terrible movies. The whole sure. time I kept thinking to myself, The Matrix was made like forty years before this movie, and it's so good. And this movie is so <laughs> bad. It's it was it, yeah. We watched them all just like back to back and just constantly like it was MST three K. For five fucking movies, we just just destroyed them every minute. I there would, are five movies. Five. In series? There's five. five. Yeah, because they were they like broke... three books. Yeah, the third was like book one, book two, 
book three, and then we, book four was was split into into two part one and part two. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I just new can't Dawn, imagine there like, being what, enough new content Dawn part for one that. And new Dawn part two. No, no, the whole thing oh. was like done after book two. Book two is like you finish it. Every plot twist is tied up. And there's no loose ends. It's movies over. And then you're like, wait, they're making three more. So they, they introduce new problems and then solve them. And then they introduce new problems and they solve them. And... As long as it keeps, you know, squeezing out money for them, I guess. Squeeze, well, not anymore, squeeze. but I'm sure if you ask, if, if they ask Kristen Stewart to do it now, she'd be like, fuck no. Yeah, well, totally. isn't she, Stephanie Meyer's writing it again, but from. Oh, that's right. From the from vampires, the for the vampires, boyfriend's point of view. Yeah, from his oh point of view, god. not her point of view. Anymore. Oh wow. my fucking god. Um, I would, I don't see them ever, ever, ever doing this for many reasons, but I would pay like real hard currency to watch that movie with a commentary by Robert Patterson and Christian Stewart, like yeah. just feed them a bottle of whiskey and current age, those current, like right now. I think they, they would do that. Oh, they um, would do that. They would do yeah. that. He's done I've, I've, I've seen commentary some... that they both would like to just erase that part of their career. Well, he's yeah. done. He's mentioned in a few interviews before where they've shown clips and he's been like, I don't remember what I was even doing here. I don't, I think I fell asleep during this take. He's like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm sleeping right there. Yeah. It like, is he... bad. It is bad. Um, it's, it's painfully bad. Yep. It's if you approach it with a MSK I mean, perspective, then it's great it, fun. And that's the yeah. thing is, I was watching it next to like a genuine yeah. fan, yeah, and yeah. and no one else. So it was just it was only painful. So I, if if I was in a room of people who felt the same way I do, yeah. I'm sure that I, I could make it into a very different experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I do recommend it under that circumstances if if you really want to. Oh I feel so bad for that because I you know. I'll I'll mock something with friends, but if I'm next to someone and, like genuinely loves something, I'll be like, just be quiet, like don't. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it, I mean, like in my, I guess not my own defense, but like in in transparency, I did like frequently groan and like tell her, I'm like, how can you like this? This is such <laughs> drivel. What is wrong with you? And we it's all terrible. have our drivel that we like, so it's like it's terrible. And we that's fair. I, I I enjoyed True Blood. I think it was wonderful trash. Mm-hmm. But I can um, recognize that it's trash. Sucking her stupid fairy vagina. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually where I stopped watching. Uh, when she became a fairy? Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, not intentionally. It just it just happened that like when season four premiered, I, things things changed in my life, and like, watching True Blood was not a priority. Yeah. Yeah, but here's I mean, yeah, we all have movies that people are like, really? Like, you like that? Like, come on. Mm. You're like, yeah, I like it. Shut up. Leave me alone. Like me and Resident Evil movies. They're trash. Mm-hmm. I would still rather watch Resident Evil. And, and I would I would enjoy a Resident Evil. Like, genuinely, I can have a good time with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, it reminds me, like, the first time my sister ever saw This Island Earth was the Mystery Science Theater version. When they did Mystery oh. Science Theater, the movie. And she just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Like, that was her first real exposure to Mystery Science Theater also. Like, she just loved it. Her and I will still quote that. But about a year later, she's staying with my grandparents for a weekend. And This Island Earth, not the Mystery Science Theater version, but like on AMC, This Island Earth pops on. And my grandpa forces her to sit in the TV room with him because it is his favorite sci-fi movie as a kid. He's like, they don't make wonderful science fiction like this anymore. It's just one. And the whole time my sister's like, God, I just gotta quit. Not. 
I can't say anything. He's like, look at this scene here, how it was shot. It's so classy. And she's like, yeah, okay. You know, so <laughs> those things happen. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, we should start to wrap up the show, but I think we mm-hmm. want to share something that's happening again. Oh, yeah. Let me get um, this information into the... It's about the... Ted Wheeler, so get ready, Nat. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Yeah. The guy uh, gets uh-huh. ratioed all the time. He's got a 4,000 <laughs> ratio right now about this topic. What's ratioed? Uh, on Twitter, when you have more comments than likes. Oh, oh, I had no idea that was called. Yeah, it's getting ratioed. Oh. You've never been ratioed, Aaron, because people like you. <laughs> well, or they don't say anything if they don't. So. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm probably gonna botch up like explaining the situation here, but I will do my best. There is a home on Mississippi Avenue here in Portland uh, that happens to be uh, housed a Afro Indigenous family. And today, Portland police were trying to enforce an eviction on that family um, and all all persons in that house, despite the fact that there is still an active moratorium on evictions. Uh, and if, um, if sources that I saw are correct, uh, the reason that this is happening is it's driven by essentially a corporate buyout of that block, Pres- presumably to build, you know, more shitty condos and, you know, bougie that no one restaurants can afford. and, you know, plant stores. Yeah, uh, yeah that no one actually li- who lives in that re- neighborhood now can afford. <laughs> Um, they, they they have actually owned the house or sorry lived in the house for sixty years, and they still owe a hundred thousand dollars on it. I think it was a reverse mortgage at some point. Um, the neighboring lot, I believe, was all all in sold for ten million dollars. So this family owes a hundred thousand bucks on this property, and the neighboring property was a ten million dollar property. So it's kind of like not not right. That's pretty fucking insane. Yeah. Um, and so. One of our listeners, uh, a.k.a. Sack in the chat, uh, shared a link with us that I put in the YouTube chat now. And I'm sure we'll get this link up uh, into our other sources after the show here. But there, that's a, a link that it kind of explains what the situation is in more detail. Uh, and it includes their call to action. They are, I believe they're trying to not only raise funds, but I know that other people in the city have been actually calling for people to come down to that location and help essentially help keep the cops away uh, like, like others have been doing throughout the course of the day uh, and just help protect this family until, until they can get things figured out or until the cops fuck off and, and, you know, rot in a hole somewhere. Yeah. It's actually illegal right now to evict anyone in Oregon. Right. But Uh, that that obviously didn't stop them from trying in the first place. uh -uh. So um, I'm reading more. They were actually forbidden from trying to buy back their home when lots were sold in an auction, even though by law they are required to let them try to buy back their home. No, this is because someone's uh, greasing Ted Wheeler's palms. Uh-huh. Uh, many people. Yeah. 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 Well, yep. Certainly. Developers. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, as, as become the motto for a lot of people in Portland is, you know what? Fuck it. We police our own. So. If you wanna, if you wanna go out there with other Portlanders, or if you wanna help financially, uh, we'll we'll drop the links for that. Yeah, and uh, we don't have enough time for it at the show, but I've got some thoughts on Deschutes beer right now too. But I'll stay quiet on that. Okay. <laughs> it's tailgate. Oh yeah, I'm curious. They, they've been complaining about 
yeah, they're uh, apparently, yeah, never mind. I don't want to get into it. Oh, yeah, you're either going to say it or you're not going to no, say no, it. No, no, so I don't want to get into it because it's a whole other show. Well, you know. Yep. So. No, we'll bitch about it on Facebook. Yeah, there you go. I got to do more research about it anyway. All right. So that's redhousemississippi.com, everyone. Do it. Check it out. Um, yeah. Uh, so you could be prepared for tear gas, though. It's, it's going to get messy tonight. Yeah, if you've got your block equipment, you probably want to bring that with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be fun. They're going to gas every other person who lives in that neighborhood, too. Mm-hmm. All those okay. things next people. door. Yeah. Oh. See how that goes over. Uh, what was it today? They just realized, or they finally admitted, that when the feds were here, they were using an actual gas that has, Experimental. Been, that has been outlawed in war. Yeah, HC gas, hexavalent yeah. chromium. The, yeah. the green one? Yeah. Is that the one that made women like uh, spontaneously menstruate? Uh, tear gas will do that as well. This mm-hmm. one has a really weird interaction with zinc, and you you mm-hmm. actually don't you die of zinc poisoning. Jesus uh, Christ! Or you your the toxicity is from a zinc poisoning, and it's gotten into our some of our our water systems. Yeah, totally. Super. And it is really green. I've I've seen it explode right in it's front. It's like of the me color of like, your shirt. It's like fucking yeah. Wicked Witch of the West. It's like I, when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like. If it wasn't deadly, it would be like right. <laughs> perfect. Like it can be both Broadway green smoke color. Thing. Yeah, I could be in awe of something that's utterly horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. So yeah, I, I was in awe of that in my first. Well, time. not the happiest note to end it on, but Nat, thanks for popping in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me as usual. And yeah. uh, any uh, any new ciders that are uh, on the horizon that you can? No, we're moving. So oh, you're moving. That's right. Never done. It's like. Just we're in sort of like sustainment mode, and that's why I'm not going to the Red House tonight. because I've just work's been kicking my butt. So right. heaven forbid you take a night off, Nat. To hang out with you guys, yep. I'll do that. Yay! That'll be, that'll be worth it. It was good to uh, see your face after this much time. Yeah, there's yeah, still the there's still the Abbey Spice. Everyone should go drink the Abbey Spice. Yes, we still have Abbey Spice and a little bit of cherry pie left. Yeah, drink mm-hmm. Abbey Spice in moderation. It's much stronger than you think it is. So read the, <laughs> read the can. Somewhere between six point nine and seven point two, depending on which can you're looking at. So yeah, depending on the bio. Right. Uh, the next week, I think we're going to be joined by David Walker. So be good times. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Claymore's butt. <laughs> and I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Bye. Be safe. Fight the power.